Welcome back to the best college football pick and pod in the land. He is Alan Denton. I'm Thomas Black. We're coming to you from bellyupsports.com, and we are wrapping up a wild, wild week two in college football that saw the likes of Appalachian State knocking off Texas A&M, Marshall knocking off Notre Dame, Alabama struggling on the road at Texas. Alan, a lot went down. How are you doing today? Well, I'm better than Scott Frost. Well, maybe I'm not because I don't get paid $16 million (laughs) or whatever it is not to coach. I would take half of that not to do something. But yeah, it is remarkable. But hey, what a dang weekend of football. That was so much fun. And uh, this year has started out in a more exciting fashion, maybe than I can remember since that 2007 year where everything just went haywire. Definitely so. It has been a blast to get started. A lot of fun action going down in the games. If you'd like, you can always follow me and Alan on Twitter. Alan can be found at AD on the blackout. You can find myself at TB on the blackout. Alan, if you're ready, let's go ahead and recap what went down in week two with our ATS pick'em. Let's run it back. Against the spread, Allen went 5-5 five and five this past week. The wins were Wake Forest minus 8.5, Tennessee minus 6.5, Iowa State plus 3.5, Oklahoma State minus 10.5 as an ATS lock over on CBS Sports, and BYU minus the 3.5. The losses were Alabama minus 20.5, Wisconsin minus 16.5, Houston plus 2.5, Florida minus 4.5 as an ATS lock, and Stanford plus 9.5. Allen, the one in one week with your ATS locks takes you to two and two overall on the season. That's 50%. Better, though, than your overall ATS record, eight and 12 on the season. That's a 40% mark. Something we're going to keep an eye on, Allen, is how we do against the spread with our locks, how we do overall. And quite frankly, our overall percentage does not matter as much as what we're giving out in the locks because we're going to try our hand at giving some people good advice. And right now, sitting at a 50% mark, which if you look at the leaderboard in the standings, uh, 50% mark has a pretty good overall record keeping people inside the top 10. So that's kind of what I'm targeting with our picks. Hope we can stay there, but a good start so far. You are in a tie for 18th overall, five games off the lead. How are you feeling after week two? Way better than I was after week one, let me just tell you. There's something about three and seven that humbles a man a little bit. This week, well, there were three overtime games. The Tennessee one went in my favor because they were able to score a touchdown in overtime. The Texas Tech one went against me because I had Houston not just covering but winning that game. Obviously, they lose in overtime. Uh, And then the other one that actually did go in my favor was the BYU game, and they covered in overtime. So just a wacky, wacky week. This is the thing that's so crazy about against the spread is you can be right one second and then something stupid happens and you're wrong. It's unbelievable. 
You are exactly right. And when you flip over to the side that I had, Alan, we have to talk about a humbling week for myself. I repeated what you did in week one. I went three and seven against the spread. The wins were few and far between, but I had Wake Forest minus the eight and a half. That was an ATS lock. I had Iowa State plus the three and a half. That was an ATS lock. And I took Texas Tech minus the two and a half. Like Alan said, winning in overtime, that got me the cover on that side. The losses came in bunches. Alabama minus the 20 and a half. Pittsburgh plus six and a half. Wisconsin minus 16 and a half. Florida minus four and a half. Arizona State plus 10 and a half. Baylor plus three and a half. And Stanford plus nine and a half. Alan, I may have hit on my ATS locks. I went two and oh in those, but overtime games really got me. I talked about Texas Tech getting the win there, but at the end of regulation, you talk about the other two. If you're just talking about four quarters of football ahead pit plus six and a half, that technically would have been a win if the game just ends at the end of regulation instead of going into overtime. And the same thing with Baylor, I had them plus the points. That would have been a win at the end of regulation, but then I lose both of those in overtime, and I got Texas Tech right in overtime, even though they were in control for much of that game. So I feel like I was on the right side of all three of those, yet I only come away with one win in the overtime games. That was really challenging against the spread. Yeah, it is just brutal when a game flips like that in overtime, especially. It's just like, you've got to be freaking kidding me, man. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous, and uh, you can look at my picks a lot of ways. I did go 2-0 and in my ATS locks. That takes me to 2-2 two and two on the season at 50% with my locks. But I did go 1-7 and seven in all the picks outside of my ATS locks. That brings me to 9-11 and 11 on the year against the spread. That's 45%. I'm in a tie for 11th, just outside the top 10, four games off the lead. Alan, we both are trailing our new Week 2 leader. That is Heath who went 6-4 and four this past week and has gone 13-7 and seven overall against the spread, winning at 65% through the first two weeks. He has a one-game lead over four people tied for second place, so he's had an awfully good start to the year in the ATS Pick'em over on CBS Sports. That's remarkable. If we were betting on real money, that guy would be Scrooge McDuck rolling in the dough right about now. <laughs> Most definitely, Alan. Let's move over to the confidence pick them. This week in the confidence side, you went six and four in your picks, collecting 34 points. In the wins, you had Alabama at a nine, Oklahoma State at an eight, Wake Forest at a seven, USC at a five as a value pick, Tennessee at a four, and BYU at a one. The losses were Wisconsin at a 10, Florida at a six, Iowa at a three, and Houston at a two as your other value pick. You went one and one this past week in your confidence value picks. That makes you three and one on your value picks on the season, 75%. And overall, you're 14 and six on your confidence picks all season, 70% with 80 points. You're in a tie for 16th and 10 points off the lead right now through week two. Yeah, my point value doesn't match my win-loss percentage. That means, in many ways, I've not ranked things particularly well. Took a big, fat goose egg with that Florida game. Hey, congratulations to your Wildcats, man. Just dog-whipped them. Just absolutely <laughs> dog-whipped Florida. Made Anthony Richardson look extremely pedestrian. The game of the week probably was that Bama-Texas game and barely snuck out that. Looking, I don't remember how many times I've lost my 10 game and looked as foolish as I did, but kudos to Washington State. I mean, did you have that one at a nine? Yeah. 
yeah, I mean, thankfully most people had it on pretty dang high on the board, but that is just anytime you lose a 10 and a six at the same time, you know, it's going to be a rough week just in review. I think that USC pick moving them down the board a little bit, even though the score was 41 to 28 with a 13 point spread. So they covered. If you look back on that game, two different times, Stanford gets inside the five and doesn't score. You're looking at a totally different game if either of those things happen. You know, it got kind of tight at the end anyway, but just one of those types of games where they just couldn't quite do enough. Yeah, that one was a big one. That's another one where against the spread, I really got hurt because I had Stanford plus the nine and a half, and I agree with you. That game really feels a lot more like a shootout if Stanford doesn't fumble the ball away a couple of times early in that game and turn it over in situations where they're putting points on the board where Southern Cal is scoring every trip down the field. Right. To their credit, USC scored at will. But in looking at that Stanford team, they just needed to be a little more crisp and it could have been a different type of game. Looking for a little bit more crisp nature in the picks. We move over to my slate on the confidence pick them in week two. I went seven and three and had 37 points, a little off of where I'd like to be. The wins were Alabama at a 10, Wake Forest at an eight, Oklahoma State at a seven, Southern Cal at a five, Iowa State at a four as a value pick, Tennessee at a two, and Texas Tech at a one. My losses were Wisconsin at a nine, Florida at a six, and Baylor at a three as my other value pick. So I went one and one in value plays, taking me to three and one on the season, 75% just like Allen, and overall 14 and six on the season, just like Allen, with 83 points. I'm in a tie for seventh. Seven points off the lead. Alan, we are both chasing down a new leader on the board in the Pick'em Slate over on ESPN. His name is Michael. He has 90 points through week two after finishing with 41 points this past weekend. He's 15-5 and on his picks throughout the season, and he has a one-point lead over Derek, who was our leader last week. So, Alan, we've got a lot of work to do, but uh, I don't think either one of us is in too terrible a spot with a relatively small sample size through two weeks. Exactly. The way I kind of view it, I'm 10 back. That's not a big deal to me. That can be made up in a week and obviously was made up in a week because Derek had a pretty sizable lead going into last week. And so when you look at this, I'm only one game off win-loss record. Just got to tighten up where I put these games a little bit. And once that happens, then uh, sky's the limit for us, my man. That's absolutely true. If you lock in a couple of weeks straight of some high 40s, maybe some low 50s, as long as there aren't too many people going nine and one in their picks, if you're reading some upsets and finding those along the way, then you can really make up that ground very, very quickly. Alan, let's move into the picks this week because you went 11 and 9 combined against the spread and with your confidence picks versus my 10 and 10 week here in week two. You take the lead as we move into week three. All right, my man. Let's jump in against the spread going all the way to North Carolina this week. A really interesting out of conference matchup between the ACC and the Big 12. This is a team that I had to pick, and I picked against last week on this show, thinking that Houston would go and beat Texas Tech. And by the way, they should have. (laughs) But as we look at this Texas Tech traveling to NC State matchup, I've got NC State covering 
at 10.5 over Texas Tech. I believe Devin Leary at quarterback is that good. I was not overly impressed with Texas Tech at all. Donovan Smith did uh, an admiral job in many ways for them, but and just looking at this game, traveling a good distance, I think the game with NC State just doesn't feel like a game that they're going to be able to keep up with NC State's offense. NC State typically has a very good defensive line, and I believe they do. Again, I see Dave Doran covering that 10.5 point spread, and so I've got NC State as an against-the-spread lock this week. All right, Alan. I like the thought process. I know that preseason, if I saw this line and this game being talked about, I'd absolutely be on the same side as you. And right now, I don't really feel comfortable enough to tell you that I will be on the same side, though I have considered it. Just because of what NC State did in week two, nearly choking away a win against East Carolina, I'm not really that confident in feeling like NC State's going to push this thing up to 14 plus, you know, in winning. If this line was at maybe nine and a half instead of 10 and a half, I'd feel a lot more comfortable with the idea of going with the Wolfpack. But I'm going to have to think long and hard before I pick which side I go with in this one, simply because I think Donovan Smith is a capable quarterback. He does have to go up against a pretty good NC State defense. But this NC State offense was limited some against East Carolina. I'm not sure exactly how I feel about this one, though. I'll support you in the effort in looking at the Wolfpack minus the 10.5. Well, having some support helps in this life, so I appreciate that, buddy. <laughs> I can't say that I'm going to support you strongly, but uh, I may very well end up on the same side. I've just got to look at this one harder as I go throughout the week. Absolutely. got to pray about it. Seek the Lord's guidance, my man. All right, I'll do so. And Alan, as we move over to my first ATS lock over on the CBS Sports Pick'em, I'm looking at an SEC matchup. This one taking place with Mississippi State on the road at LSU. The Bulldogs go on the road as a two and a half point favorite in this one. And Alan, I have a lot of concerns with this LSU team. When we look at their performance against Florida State from week one, They had less than 350 yards of offense. And if you remember, 99 of that came on that last drive where they nearly tied up the game and went to overtime. So up Mm. through three and a half plus quarters, you're talking about well under 300 yards of offense. They've had special teams issues. I want to know where Jaden Daniels is getting any support in this offense. The wide receivers have not been great. They haven't had a lot of big pass plays this season outside of their game against Southern, and I don't really count that because of the type of opponent it was. Kayshawn Booty, I don't even know why we're calling him Booty this year because it used to be Kayshawn Boutte, and it sounded a lot cooler, but he's been almost non-existent. I don't know. He's been Booty this year. (laughs) He has, and uh, I don't know if he's coming around anytime soon. I just can't take a lot away from what LSU did against Florida State, and I don't know if a better performing LSU team is coming around. You also look at what Jaden Daniels has done. Sure, he's been pretty good playing quarterback, but he's also the leading rusher for this LSU team. I don't know if that's a good thing. There's just a lot of concerns for me with this team, and I don't know if Armani Goodwin or Noah Kane is really going to provide a lot in the run game. 
you flip it over to Mississippi State, who's gotten off to a 2-0 start this year, who I backed up an awful lot in week one with their win against Memphis. We've talked a lot about Will Rogers at quarterback. He's completing nearly 80% of his passes this season. He has a deep group of wide receivers. I don't know if there's any stars, but he gets a lot of production out of a lot of different guys. I really like the veteran defense, and I like that they came away with a dominant performance early against Memphis, getting that win in week one. Alan, the other thing that I'm going to look at with this team is in 2021, this team went in and had wins against some tough road environment crowds at Texas A&M, at Auburn. I really think they outplayed Arkansas on the road as well, even though it was a loss. And even though they lost to LSU a year ago, if you go back and look at that game, I think the Bulldogs really outplayed LSU in that game. So you look at what LSU was defensively a year ago against this passing attack. They had Cordell Flott, who was a third-round draft pick. They had Eli Ricks, who's now transferred to Alabama. So I think there's some uh, a lot of missing pieces from this team that would be concerning. There's a bunch of transfers who've come in, but I'm not sure what this defense is going to pose against Mississippi State. Even on top of that, maybe the star of the defensive line for LSU and Mason Smith lost his season to an ACL against Florida State. I don't like that. Alan, I don't see any point why Mississippi State can't go into LSU and come away with a win on the ATS pick them over on CBS Sports. They're a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Alan, I like the Bulldogs to come away with a field goal win or better, lock it up against the spread, give me the Bulldogs minus the two-and-a-half. I think I'm with you there, man. I, I really am. I've not studied the game in as much detail as you have, certainly, but I really like the way that this Mississippi State team is made up. At this point, they may be fighting with Arkansas to be second or third best in the West, right? Since we've seen the A&M looks like they may be a disappointment this year. I don't think this LSU team is particularly good. If this game is flopped and at Mississippi State, I think Mississippi State would be more than a touchdown favorite, right? I think they're significantly better than LSU. The only question is, you know, is this one of those games where Will Rogers just inexplicably throws three or four interceptions, or is this a game where it's Death Valley in the evening? It's not at night. It's a 6 p.m. kick, so that's 5 p.m. Central. I tend to lean and locking down Mississippi State as well. I like where your head's at there, man. I appreciate it. You know, you look at Will Rogers, I understand the concern. He's had some of those bad games in the past where he's thrown a bunch of interceptions. One of the reasons I like him in this spot is he's such a veteran quarterback now. He's played so many years. I hope that he's kind of gotten out of that habit and uh, he's gone on the road. He's won some tough games and some tough atmospheres. I just think there's a chance that maybe he's kind of outgrown that. Hopefully that's the case this weekend, but I think Mississippi State is definitely the better team at this point. And let's look at it this way, Alan. If we're both on the side of Mississippi State, you don't have to be. I don't really care if you side with me or not, but Mississippi State on the ATS pick them over on CBS Sports, only 29% of people are on the Bulldogs with that pick. So if we really do believe and it comes to be true that Bulldogs are the better team and they come away with a win at LSU, then there are going to be a lot of people on the wrong side of this one. And that one could be one that really flips the standings pretty quickly just because of how the percentages are laying out here pretty early in the week as we lead into week three. I'm really surprised that it's, you know, more than 50% are jumping on that LSU train, right? That really kind of shocks me. And I get like everybody loves Brian Kelly and 
they jumped back into the swing of things last week with a massive victory over just a horrendous Southern team. I mean, they're, they're just really, really quite bad. But I really like the makeup of this Mississippi State team. They play good defense. They punish you. And I think they're physical enough up front to take care of a team like LSU that hasn't proven to be up for the task. I agree on all fronts. So, Alan, let's wrap up there on week three with the ATS Pick'em. Let's move over to the Confidence Pick'em on ESPN. Where are you taking us here as we head into Saturday? Let's go all the way down to the bottom of Florida. I'm really interested in that UCF at FAU game. UCF is a nine-point road favorite, which is fascinating to me. That would put them, if you're just slating your board purely based upon the line, that would mean that there is six on your board. Originally, that line came out around nine and a half, something along those lines, and has been bumped down by about a half a point. I'm moving that down to three or four. I was not overly impressed with John Rice Plumley. He wasn't able to throw the ball against what many, I think, will consider a bad Louisville defense who looked horrible the week before against Syracuse. Nikosi Perry is the Miami transfer. He's improved. In all honesty, Like if you look at the picks on this, it's 93% UCF. There is a potential that later in the week that I may even pick Florida Atlantic. I don't know that I'm quite there yet, but at the very minimum, I'm moving UCF way down my board into that two, three, four type of range. Yeah, that's really fascinating. I've had some of the same gut feel with UCF. At this point, I haven't actually moved UCF down into that middle or lower portion of my values, but I understand exactly what you're saying because I think this FAU team can score. I think that they could be in a shootout with UCF. I think the upset is potentially on the board. And I think what you're saying is if you're going to go with FAU later in the week, you're probably putting them dead square at like a one, right? Because if if you're part of that less than 10% that's on FAU, you do not want to lay a lot of points on that upset win, even on their home field. But I understand totally why you would move UCF down. I just don't know if I'm going to be there because I find myself looking at a number of teams this week having kind of that same gut feel about wanting to move them down. So I'm kind of battling between a UCF going lower or some other teams, and I've got to figure out which ones I'm going to hang up pretty high and which ones I'm going to be dropping in value. You know, you look at FAU's defensive statistics, and they're not a juggernaut by any stretch of the means, because I think UCS defense is pretty good. They're only allowing 259 yards a game, and they've played a hapless South Carolina State team that doesn't really count, and a Louisville team that has Malik Cunningham, yes, but the previous week only scored, I think, seven on Syracuse. Just wasn't impressive. But when you look at FAU, their opening week, they won a big game against Charlotte and won them convincingly, 43-13. to Looked really good in the process. Lost a tough game at Ohio. Ohio is typically a – they're good in the MAC. They're not juggernauts by any stretch, but that's a good MAC team. Lost 41-38 to there, and then this week just beat up on a cupcake. So this is the type of game that – I could see coming down to the wire and 
I get the legitimacy of this early in the season, kicking UCF and just having them really low because that 93 to seven is telling me that people are probably moving them up on the board, maybe even higher than a six. Yeah, it could quite possibly be that direction. I think this is one of the things too, Alan, in the confidence pick them, UCF has that kind of aura about them that any college football fan who follows the game but isn't super in-depth knows that UCF went on some big runs four or five years ago and had some great teams, and they kind of have that Boise State feel of, you know, eight mm-hmm. or ten years ago that, oh, they show up in the pick them pick them automatically, put them at a high level, you're going to collect your points. It's, you know, it's kind of like what you and I have talked about with your Ohio States, your Alabamas, that kind of thing. But this UCF team isn't quite what it used to be in the Scott Frost days. <laughs> That's exactly, Or even in the Heupel days, right? Maybe he'll come back and uh, save them from that terrible Gus Malzahn offense that I highly doubt that UCF is infatuated with in his second year. Absolutely. Something to consider and something to look at as uh, there could be a lot of people with a lot of value on those nights on the road at Florida Atlantic. Alan, for my confidence value pick here on our first pick and pod, I am looking again at the same matchup I gave you before, even against the spread. This time, Mississippi State at LSU. We're looking at a two and a half point spread. It's the same as what's over on the confidence pick This is the active one that we look at on the ESPN confidence pick And Alan, going into week three, where we see a lot of field goal-ish type spreads I see a lot of potential for some movement in some confidence value picks. So if you are looking at the active spread over on ESPN that's moving up and down, Mississippi State is a two and a half point favorite, just as we talked about like in our ATS pick'em over on CBS Sports. Alan, if you followed the spread directly, you would put Mississippi State at a one, but I've already told you I think they're winning this game down in Baton Rouge. So I feel pretty good about it, enough so that I'm going to move Mississippi State up from that one value as a two and a half point favorite, and I'm going to take the Bulldogs either at a four or a five this week on my board. I'm with you. You've convinced me, my man. I'm voting your way. You just tell me where to send the check because I'm with you there. In a week that, like you said, the bottom four games in terms of lines are right at that field goal or less. There's a lot kind of jumbled up there. and They're all power five matchups, basically, with the exception of Oregon and BYU. And that's going to be next year, right? Whenever BYU joins Big 12. And so these are powerhouse matchups that are going to be decided. You need to find some breaks. I think that's a really good break that you found. Let's hope that it lands and makes us some points on the board and makes some points for some of our listeners and hopefully will result in some prizes down the road. Talking about prizes, Alan, we have to wrap up this pick pod because we're going to jump over to a bonus pick pod that we give to our Patreon supporters. You can jump on the team as a walk-on for as little as $2.50 a month, and we'll give you exclusive access to our extra ATS locks and confidence value picks over there on Patreon. Doing that, we will give you those extra picks. As long as we hit at a high level over there, we're going to get you a better standing in the points over on the confidence pick'em. We'll land you some locks, hopefully, in the ATS pick'em over on CBS Sports. And whenever you subscribe to the Blackout on Patreon, we're going to take that money and turn it into the pot for next year. So at this point, we already have a little over $100 in the pot going into next year. 
This coming month, we expect to add another little over $100. And at the end of 12 months heading into next season, right now, we anticipate having over $1,300 in the pot to split up amongst our contest. So, Alan, we're making progress there. We're looking for some more team members. We're looking to hand out some prizes and some picks that are really going to be some winners going forward into the season. As long as you and I stay on that track, we should have some success and we should be turning some people into better competitors for chances at winning those prizes. That's exactly right. I mean, you got to love bigger pots, right? I mean, who doesn't love a bigger pot? I love bigger pots. I'm excited about that. Appreciate those that are supporting the podcast. It's one of those things where it helps us out and it helps you out. It gives us a greater reason to have a little more gravity to what we're saying. No doubt about it. If you are interested in checking out the Patreon, you can check it out in the show notes. You can check it out in our emails that go out weekly with information on the pick'em boards and everything else. Alan, that's all the time we have for this pick'em pod. Thank you, sir, for your picks. And let's jump on over to the Bones Pick'em Pod via Patreon here in just a moment. See you on the other side. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here.